Hello and welcome back to the Holtcast and Aston Villa podcast hosted by myself, James Rushton and Daniel Riser as per usual. We've got a bit of a uh, exciting one for you today because we're talking about the Leeds United match, the Leeds United versus Aston Villa match that finished 1-1, but was a lot more exciting than the scoreline suggested. Danny, have you got a quick recap for us? Yeah, so uh, uh, again, uh, nice to be with you, James. Uh, always great to, to be recording the Holtcast, especially after the, the run that we've been on. But uh, yeah, let's let's tell everybody what happened. I'm sure that uh, you guys have already seen it, but for those of you who perhaps have been living under a rock, uh, what happened on that? <laughs> what happened on that in that game um, was was crazy. Something that I've never seen before. Um, essentially. What happened was Leeds United scored a goal seconds after uh, pretending to put the ball out for an injured John Codger. The Aston Villa players had stopped. The Leeds United players had stopped. Um, and, and, and what resulted from that was, was something fairly unsportsmanlike. So after they'd scored this goal, there was a, there was a massive brawl. Um, essentially, which involved Conor Hurahan, that, that, that involved Klish, um, but but most importantly, or, or I think one one thing that Villa fans are probably going to remember most there was uh, Patrick Bamford simulating being hit um, by by Anwar Al Ghazi, resulting in him getting sent off, um, and then uh, after that, the the moment really which which has gone viral, the moment which has been spread online by football fans everywhere is one of those crazy moments in football was Marcelo Bielsa ordering his Leeds United players to allow Aston Villa to score a goal, uh, one which was just incredibly weird to watch. Albert Adoma just being let through on goal by the Leeds United players, apart from Pontus Janssen, who did try a late challenge. There's there's a lot to speak about in this match, but for all the, as eventful as it was, the first half wasn't crazy, was it? I mean, what we have to speak about in the first half is a few missed chances, but also mainly Jack Grealish, and he didn't do a hell of a lot. But, I mean, Leeds United fans have been going crazy because the first half, pretty much the highlight reel of the first half is like a Jack Grealish foul compilation, you know, or, you know, if you're a Leeds fan, a, a diving compilation. But I wanted to hear from you, Danny. I've got my own personal thoughts on it, but the Jack Grealish things in the first, the incidents in the first half, is it a matter of people going in too hard of him or is he a soft touch? Is he going down too easily? He's not going down too easily. He's not going down too easily. I think uh, what, what happens is that, that he's very good at skipping past players and very often opposition defenders get frustrated and feel that the only thing they can do is um, kind of clip him. Or I think the other thing is, they might well intend to, to, to tackle him cleanly, but because his legs are so tricky, they end up catching him instead. Uh, what was clear to me was that Leeds United were, were very frustrated in that first half. I mean, to some degree, they they had more of the ball. Um, I'm not sure whether they did, uh, but it seemed that way. Uh, they seemed like they had more meaningful possession. But but whenever Villa did get the ball, it, they, they, Leeds United were, were, were really trying everything to get the ball back. I'm not saying they went out to intentionally foul Jack Grealish or intentionally foul Aston Villa players, but there was a point in that first half where Marcelo Bielsa and the Leeds United fans were very upset with the referee because of the amount of fouls that were being given to Villa. But that was all down to very poorly timed challenges and a lot of them. Bielsa, of course, getting booked for complaining about it. It was a bit odd how they how they reacted, but I guess that's you've come to we come to expect that now. Whenever Jack Grealish plays people seem to think on the opposition team that it goes down too easily. And I think I'd like to highlight the one incident. I think when Calvin Phillips comes from behind and he's trying to, you know, marshal Jack Grealish back into his own half, that one was probably the 
soft. That's probably the closest to a quote-unquote dive we saw all match because it was a bit of a non-incident for me. I think, I don't know. Yeah, but I really don't know with that one. I think I think with Grealish, it came to a point where, like, clearly, <laughs> you know, clearly he was getting targeted. And if you're gonna get if you're gonna get fouled like that so often, and and not have anything done to the players who are fouling you, uh, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with with taking the foul, and just making it a little bit more obvious to the referee that you've it's not diving, it's not even simulation, it's just making the most of it. And I think it, the more the more that you do that to Jack Grealish during a game, I mean, the more likely it is that he's gonna go. You know what? You know, need to alert the referee here. There you have it. I think if you're fed up of Jack Grealish falling over, maybe you stop kicking him. Maybe. Liam Cooper is an interesting one because his challenge on Jack Grealish was one rewarded with a yellow card. Initially, it looked fairly innocuous, but on closer viewing, it really was a dangerous challenge. What do you make of that? Because Leeds United fans and even some Villa fans, even myself in the first half, before seeing a replay, I was like, why has he, why has he got a book in for that? He won the ball. I think it's more so the momentum. I mean, Liam Cooper comes in with a sliding tackle. He he does leave the ground as well. He He's not fully on the ground, so he does leave the ground, which is usually a straight red. But he does win the ball. He goes completely through Jack Grealish and takes a bit of a, you know, he takes a lump out of him as well. That's the one where it, where it, where it comes down at, into his ankle, right? Yes, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So if you haven't seen the the the, the video of it, there's at least a picture on Jack Grealish's Twitter feed where it's a, the freeze frame of the moment the connection's made, and Jack Grealish, his body, his his legs are crumpled under. It's it's quite alarming to see. It's quite always disgusting. Of course, Grealish unharmed as far as we know. But Liam Cooper picked up the yellow, and at the time I was thinking, why has he picked up a yellow? But looking after, that's that's a very perfect orange card tackle, sin bin tackle, isn't it? It's very dangerous. It's very any any time you, you you target someone's ankle and 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 make it go somewhere it's not supposed to. It's very dangerous, and it can leave somebody sidelined for a long time. I think um, I remember a Leeds United fan on Twitter replying to Jack Grealish's post there um, with an, a, a frame shame, a screenshot of of. Uh, Liam Cooper basically winning the ball now. Now Cooper does win the ball. He comes in and he gets the ball because he's first to it. That's fine, but then it's the follow through, which does not need to go through Jack Grealish's ankle. I think that's 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 where you have to look at it. And also, you know, if you're, if you're gonna slide in like that, try to make sure you know there's not somebody parallel to you. Essentially, uh, it was just a bit, just a bit of a weird challenge. That's all. Uh, I don't I don't know if it, I don't know if there was intent to it but it was certainly dangerous. I think what it comes down to is the fact that the players you know aggressively won the ball in a manner where you play the man as well. It has to be just about the ball unfortunately you know a lot of people saying what has football come to you can't do this you can't do that but it's all about winning the ball and not playing the man because a lot of the softer challenges on Grealish it was because the man was getting played there was no interest in getting the ball it was getting the ball through the man. You know, they're coming coming from the side, chopping in, doing, you know, that lethal, one of the lethal tackles in the, I think when Grealish was breaking into the, the corner of the box later on in the half, it was it was quite incredible to see. And I understand the frustration because when you're at the, you know, your Leeds fans are obviously kicking off at the stadium because you don't get all the angles that we are, you know, blessed as we are to watch TV, get all the angles. So it looks like a player's going down easily, but on closer inspection, they're just playing the man. They're just playing the man. And Calvin Phillips was guilty of that. Liam Cooper definitely guilty of that. And I think Jack Grealish did go down really easily on a number of occasions. One, especially when Phillips was chasing him and he just got frustrated and kind of fell to the floor. 
diving. I'm not I'm not certain it's diving because Jack Grealish is the most fouled player in a championship because he plays at a different speed to everyone. He's playing on a different wavelength. And also, he hasn't got booked for diving this season. And I mean, call him a diver. He hasn't been punished for it or even caught doing it. I think Grealish as well, you've got to look at the kind of the kind of guy that he is. He he, he loves getting back at teams, doesn't he? He loves getting back at players. He, I mean, he tweets after games as well, you know, for a little bit of revenge every now and then. And I, I'm sorry, but if you're gonna if you're gonna keep fouling a guy, uh, he's gonna eat it up. I mean, the the more the, the the more often that you foul somebody, the more the more likely it is that you're gonna give away a free kick. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. You know, so if you're if you're gonna do that, um, uh, if you're gonna do that numerous times during the match, if you're gonna target him numerous times during the match, I'm sorry, but he's gonna win a few free kicks, and I think that's what makes him look worse than he is. Uh, and I, I don't think there was any anything there during that whole game which which categorically screamed diving to me. Uh, I, I just, I just thought that you know the, the the match pretty much descended into something that was very unsportsmanlike. Leeds came in there wanting to obviously get into the automatic playoffs. Um, sorry, automatic promotion place. Uh, and and I, I did think there was there was moments where where the players just, yeah, they just just stopped thinking about sportsmanship for a moment. I think, you know, humans are creatures of habit. If Jack Grealish is going down rep- repetitively, the referee's going to notice it more. You know, the referee's going to zone in on Jack Grealish getting kicked because it's something that happens so often. And obviously, he's going to be able to zone in on that stuff. It, it, it happens more often than any other player. And I think he did shoot out while the referee on the day did miss a number of key events, including Patrick Bamford being held back by Tuan Zabi. Then Tuan Zabi was brought to the ground and the foul was given. That's what Bielsa eventually got a uh, yellow card for, for quote-unquote, encroaching his technical area what I think happened was he put his hands on the, the fourth official to try and demand some action be taken fair play because I think the referee in that first half didn't seem to you know benefit both teams and I, I mean you may say that as that's perfectly neutral but he seems to just miss these weird like, little incidences kicking out I, th- I think I think all in all the referee did a very good job because there was just so much going on during that whole game that he was going to miss some of it uh, I, th- I think I think the worst. I mean, f- funnily enough, I think the worst decision uh, from the whole game ended up coming from uh, ended up coming from his linesman or his assistant, one of his assistants anyway. Um, that was obviously the the sending off of, of Anwar Ghazi, but it was just one of the. I don't think I I remember seeing a game in, in the recent past with Villa where there was so many sort of fouls and so many incidents. That match never got going. There wasn't a lot of open play in it whatsoever. It was it was really bitty, and I think the comment the awful Sky commentators. I think it was Don Goodman, someone oh, else. Oh, it was weird, wasn't it? That, that were bad, weren't they? I think was it you who messaged me saying they're really biased because I think I did get a few messages saying they were really what the hell is going right. on here. I don't want to accuse anybody of bias. I think that's unfair. It just it just like it, it just seemed like they were siding with Leeds over every challenge. <laughs> that's all it was, and it, and it felt that way listening to it. I'm thinking, hang on a minute, right? I'm sat here. You know, <laughs> waiting for the playoffs to happen. Wait, waiting for the playoffs to happen. Thinking seriously, there is a big chance Jack Greenish gets injured here. They are lead to a very rough. Yeah, I think what surprised me most actually was all season they've had the reputation and they've played really good football. And I'm not saying they didn't play good football, but there was a very deliberate attempt to play the man. Sometimes in that match, like there was a kind of a, a rough side or a violence that we haven't seen. And I applaud Leeds for what they've done all season, but a different edge came out in that match. And maybe it is the frustration of missing out 
on automatics and maybe it is the frustration of a man f- seemingly falling down whenever they touch him but there was a different side to him and I think I really want to come on to a series of events now let's skip ahead to that mad 10 minutes we'll call it because the first thing that happens in that mad 10 minutes is Conor Horahan, Al Mohamedi, um, Andre Green are linking down the right side and Andre Green runs for a f- uh, runs for the ball he wins a 50-50 challenge. They both kick the ball. So I think it's Forshaw on the lead side and Andre Green run for the ball. They both kick it. Their knees connect. It's really, it looked really nasty, actually. I'm surprised both of them didn't go down. Andre Green carries on. Forshaw's on the ground, you know, rolling around in a bit of clear discomfort. And Leeds kind of forced Villa to kind of kick the ball out, slowly encroaching. Villa could have still attacked. Like when Leeds went to ask them to kick the ball out, Andre Green was wide open. Conor Huron could have easily backheeled it to him and Villa have a free shot on goal. They didn't. They kicked the ball out. Now, a few minutes later from that, Jonathan Codger misses a challenge and he looks like he twists his ankle. He goes off. He's injured. He's completely injured. He's lying down on the ground. Leeds continue to attack down the left-hand side of the pitch. Tyler Roberts gets the ball. He motions to kick it out, which means not only do Villa stop playing, the referee and the linesman stop, then he kicks through and puts Matthias Klisch through on goal. He cuts in and scores. The whole Villa team has stopped playing. Klisch is in an offside position. The linesman's not spotted it because he's miles beyond play because he stopped like everyone else. That was crazy. I, that, I've never been so angry in a football match. And it's funny because I picked up the stool. I was like, I'm going to put the stool through the TV. And I was holding the stool in there. I was like, why am I going to do this? Why am I doing this? But it was infuriating. It's like, why have they done that? Why right, have they so- done that? Like I, I wasn't even. I, I think I think anger's. I don't think anger's the word because because to me as a Villa fan, I'm thinking right. This this game, the only thing this can do for us is extend our winning streak or just give us a little bit of momentum heading into playoffs. There's not there's no real meaning to it, right? As a, it's not not an like there's not an amazing amount at stake. So to watch that, I just I think I just screwed my face and was just like, that's just very disappointing. I mean, here is a team which, you know, wants to pride itself on, you know, being being a great championship club that is, you know, on this on this revival um and, and, and can finally bring something to its fans. And uh, you know, after 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 many years basically suffering. And they go ahead and do something as despicable as that. I just just I was just shaking my head really. I mean, it's interesting to hear that you picked up a stool and tried to bash it. Yeah, I think Villa should have played to the whistle. They re- I don't know why they stopped playing because they had Leeds had the ball and as far as I could see, until they motioned to pull it out, there was no intention of stopping. Villa should have played on and they froze and they got they got caught out. I think you, what you do is you play on. You play on until, until the ball's out. It's, it's in. It's in play. It's alive. Until the ball's kicked out of play, it's alive. It's obvious. And uh, Villa got found out because I didn't play to the whistle, but I think they, they were expecting that favour to be returned. Villa kicked the ball out when the Leeds player was down. The Leeds player got up and was fine. Leeds kicked the ball out when Codger actually went off. A lot of people were saying he, he wasn't injured. He, he went off injured. He was, he was taken off in some discomfort and he's, he's not playing. He's gone. He's probably gone for the season. Who knows? But he was injured and went off. And Leeds continued to play the ball. They score. And the crowd went wild. The crowd were, you know, it was crazy. And then John Terry and Dean Smith kick off on the bench. Bielsa reacts. He asks his team, allow Villa to score. And 
I don't know if the message got through to Pontus Janssen because Pontus Janssen tried to stop Villa scoring. He had a free run. Albert Adoma kicks off. Neil Taylor's there as well. And this is weird. I think Neil Taylor wanted to get his first Villa goal really badly. Oh, did he? But then... That wouldn't then have been again, right. It wouldn't have been the right way for him. But then again, you have to think Neil Taylor is Villa's only left-sided attacking player at this point because we haven't mentioned Al Ghazi got sent off and there's no striker. So Villa are playing with nine men. There's no left-sided player apart from Neil Taylor, so he has to take the kickoff. And a lot of people have said he wanted to score his first Villa goal. And I think that was a perfect opportunity because he has every right to because he's the, he's the only he's the most forward player apart from Adoma. So I don't know what happened there, but Adoma runs through. Pontus Janssen tries to stop him, and a lot of people have said that was disgusting from Janssen. But that's a player who doesn't want to give up an automatic promotion, no matter what. And I know, but a lot of people say sportsmanship, like he. He doesn't want to lose, and a lot of people rate footballers for not wanting to lose. He doesn't want to lose in any circumstance. That's a compete. That's a competitive player, and uh, a lot of people call him dirty. That's Pontus Janssen for you. And I think if he was on our team, we'd appreciate it. But less said about that, the better. Adoma scores a free goal, open net, one-one. I want to go. I was. I want to talk about Villa's goal because it's pointless speaking about. I want to go back to the Anwar Al Ghazi incident after Matthias Klisch scored. There was a melee. Connor Horham ran up and started grabbing people's necks and throwing fists. He got put <laughs> to the floor. Amar Algarzi is kind of tussling with Patrick Bamford. He turns around and Bamford falls to the floor holding his head. Bamford has now been, is, I think he's facing a two-match ban for this action yeah. now. Yeah, it's been reported. Algarzi was actually sent off. And the reason he was sent off is because the linesman ran, sprinted to the referee and suggested that an elbow was made and said that there should be a red card because Amal Algarzi has elbowed Patrick Bamford. He didn't see this incident. There's no way he could have seen this incident because if he did, he'd have seen Bam- Bamford fake it. He didn't see it. And Bamford has been done now for deceiving a match official. I kind of disagree with that because in the heat of the moment, you do stupid things. The linesman, the linesman's job is to officiate the match, not to come in and be the star of it. He sprinted across the match to say, there's definitely been an elbow here, mate. Yeah, he's been... There wasn't... Sorry, go on. There wasn't an elbow, there was it? How can he say there's definitely been an elbow? Bamford has been punished. But the FA need to look at this and go, why is a linesman running to declare a verdict when he's not even seen the incident? That's a guy... Regardless of what Bamford's done. I don't care. That's 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 the guy who's basically gotten caught up in the moment, thinking, right, this is special. You know, this is this is something that I've never been a part of before, and basically thinking, right, I need to get, I need to slap my sticker on this. That's that's what it that's what it was, wasn't it? I need to stamp my authority on this situation. Um, I mean, he might have, he might have thought he'd seen something, but I think even the referee, I think people reviewing the people analyze everything. People reviewing the footage say that the referee almost sort of shook his head in a way to suggest I'm not quite sure, mate. Um, before before sending him off, and I just thought that I think in the middle of all that, when you've got all these players brawling as well, I don't I don't know if you know it would have been right to send anybody off. I mean, if anything, you send off. Perhaps Conor. You send off Conor Huran. <laughs> you send him straight off the pitch because he had his hands around people's necks, and he did end up on his ass. To be fair, which is punishment enough. It's embarrassing enough to be, you know get chucked down but, on the ground. But he was furious, throwing fists. But one one thing I will say about Conor Hurahan is that he will not stand for anything. And you know, in the same way that you say Pontus Janssen, um, you know, that 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 you know, 
that's a player standing for standing up for his team and you know not wanting to give up on that automatic promotion. Conor Huran, I mean, he was you, you remember he was the first guy in to defend Jack Grealish when the uh, when the Birmingham City fan attacked him. And I think for Conor Huran in that moment as well, in uh, that moment in time, is thinking, hang on, hang on a minute, Klish, right? You don't just do that. He's he's basically if if he hasn't kicked off there, I'm not sure if uh th- there's enough of a there's enough of a furor that uh Bielsa ends up basically telling his leads te- his leads team to to let that goal in. I mean Hurahan was a big part of that protest there. And he's jumped in and fair play to him for, for sticking up for Villa. And I, I I don't think it's necessarily a case of him being violent there. That's a that's a case of straight up like, you know, man to man asking what are you doing? Respect that. Completely respect that. And Conor Huron, he's done that a few times this season for Villa. As you mentioned, the Blues match. There was also the drop ball incident in the whole match where he's went and kicked off, I think it was Marcus Henriksen on the whole side that he kicked off at completely overtaking the drop ball early. Um, so he, he's always quite fiery. That's an underrated aspect of his game. So fair play to sticking up. But I think if there's any player being sent off on Villa's side, it's him. And let's go back, going back to that linesman. And there's a lot of hate being directed at Patrick Bamford. And yeah, he's diving. He's made an idiot of himself. He's done this. He's done that. He's been charged with deception of a match official. But I, for the life of me, the man to blame is the linesman. Patrick Bamford's not the one asking for the red card. Yeah, he has created a scene. Yeah, he's done this. He's done that. The linesman's went across and said, there's definitely been an elbow. You have to send him off. Nah, when they, but if he, he wasn't sure. He knows how it works, though. Come on. I mean, Patrick Bamford knows if he goes down there, it looks it looks bad. He's gone down holding his face. You see players do this quite often. But you don't see the other player getting sent off. It. I mean, you do. It it's, does happen in certain in certain instance, instances, but this one is very clearly there has very clearly been no contact. I think it all got a bit ridiculous, though, didn't it? Or yeah, that. I think I, as soon as as soon as Leeds basically put that ball through, the match descended into chaos, and I, and, I, and I think what we saw there was there was a lot of immaturity amongst men on that pitch. Yeah, you call them, you know, they they did. I think both teams really went quite childish, didn't? They? And both benches, you know, to be fair to them, went quite childish. Well, Terry was screaming that. at Bielsa as well, wasn't he? At the uh, after, <laughs> which is yeah, everyone's missed out on that. He was he was right up there, first man up there. Bet my life on it, it's Mila Yedinak, who actually come on to replace the injured Jonathan Kodja as a striker because Villa had no options. They had nothing left to do. Yeah, I saw somebody tweet that, it, <laughs> you know, it's been a weird game when Jedinak playing up front isn't even mentioned as a talking Yeah, and I, no one was like, no one cared because Villa had no, they could only make one more substitution. And you wouldn't bring on an attacking player just in case you needed more defensive options. So you, you, the only thing you could do is bring on Millied and I can go, can you be a striker? I mean, we knew we knew <laughs> we weren't going to win the game from that point. And it was constant, constant fury from Leeds United. I think, I think that, I think it's a good, good way to, to segue into that. But those last 10 minutes were, were constant from Leeds. Absolutely constant. And I'll tell you what, right, after El Ghazi got sent off, if Leeds United had scored in that game, um, it, it absolutely would not have. I don't. I don't. I don't think it would have gone down as like a major victory for them. They'd have celebrated it, but I think from a Villa fans' point of view, it would have. Just, it would have just been like, you've stolen it. Fair enough. Um, I think. I think for for Villa though, you know, getting getting that draw after that after that furor um, was basically just yeah. I think it was a very very good result in the end of it. Um, I think this is where we saw our defensive capabilities come to life. They were massive, mate. 
They were absolutely massive. Villa's defence in that, that match is probably the best game they've played all season, bar none. I think two incidents I'd like to shout out. One is Tyra Mings blocking it off the, off the line. Next is Jed Steer, who was oh. injured, and he, he looked in severe pain and was signalling to come off. He needed to come off. Of and Villa said, we've got, we've got no substitutions. If you come off, we're down. So you can come off and give the gloves to someone else. Do it. It's fine. Jed Steer stood up then made a massive body-shaking save. That ball was hit so hard at him. And he stands up and he balances and he saves it with what appeared to be a twisted ankle. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> he was in massive pain. Yeah, that was that was pure adrenaline. That was you know, fair play to him because, you know, the, the, the situation is here. He's, he might not be, you know, if the ankle injury is bad, I don't think we've heard any more on it. But, like, the chances are you could miss the playoffs. It's only a month away. Could we get kicked? If you've twisted your ankle, uh, there was a, there was one shot in that game where Matthias Sarkic looked like he had a proper smile on his face. Not yeah, he wants to play so bad. But, but I think, like, look, lucky to him, you know, he wouldn't be even even on the bench because look, you got Kalinic, you had Nyland, you had Jed Steer. Sarkic is on the bench and he's raring to go now. So you've forgotten you know, if he has to step. Marrera's gone, yeah. <laughs> I think we all forgot Marrera. He's going to be arsed. He's gone, mate. <laughs> but Jed Steer, you know, full credit to him because Villa lose that match if it's not for two people. Tyra Mings and Jed Steer absolutely saved that game because Leeds were really, really motivated to score after giving one back to Villa. And fair play to Bielsa for giving one back. Has to be said because he didn't have to. A lot of people saying, yeah, he had to. No, he didn't. He absolutely did not have to do it. Even if John Terry is in his face and Dean Smith is in his face, he didn't. It's his team that, uh, that has done that. Yeah, but there's a big ego in that, though, isn't there as well? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying the Bielsa has got a got a big ego. But uh, if if he doesn't let Villa score that, he doesn't look good, does he? Yeah, I think there's a lot to lose there from him, and I will say that he has been. There has been times where he's been like victimized, like the Spygate stuff. People saying that doesn't happen in this country. You know, you have to play fair. There's a big example of him playing fair there. Massive example. So he's either this re, um, like this weirdo foreign cheater, or he's a really sporting person. And I think, you know, he just loves the game. He he wants it to be fair and equal. And I think he it was the only it was the only option he could do at that time. And you have to, to remember, he doesn't have to be at Leeds either. You know that 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 do, that job that he's taken at Leeds, he didn't have to take that. He doesn't need to be managing in the championship. You know, he's he's he's, he's here to basically prove he can do it. <laughs> in, in a way um, and he's not going to let his reputation suffer for it yeah I think it was uh, the right thing for him to do whether it was fair or not I, I think that's a weird uh, conversation I think he was presented with the option and he chose the one the only one he could choose because he's Marcelo Bielsa it was only going to end in one way Leeds kicked on after that Villa held strong thanks to Tyra Mings and Jed Steer let's end the conversation about the Leeds United match there I want your match ball the best for you, the player who impressed you the most um, I'm going to go with, oh gosh, there's two guys I could go with. Um, right. The, the second guy, the, the guy who, the, the other guy who I was considering giving it to, um, it would have only been for the last 10 minutes. Whereas I think for me, I'm going to give the match ball, my first match ball to Jack Grealish, uh, because I think he was the, he stole the show in that, in that game. You know, he, I mean, he could have done more, perhaps, 
um, and he perhaps would have done if he wasn't fouled out for the whole game. But I think he's the he's the player really ultimately who caused Leeds United to absolutely lose it, and thus not keep any hope of of of, of getting promoted automatically. They didn't know where they were because Grealish was just no. He didn't even have a good game, but he was he's a player who's been talked about after that. No other players getting talked about like Jack Grealish after that match. And fair play to him. I think it was a rough game for him. He, he tried well. He was stopped. Leeds did stop him. But it took a lot out of him to do so. So I think that's a great shout. My match ball, mate. I'm going to give it to Tyrone Mings. Because okay. for the first... You know, there's a bit in the first half where he tried to um, dribble from the back <laughs> yeah. to the front. Yeah. And he almost got away with it. He almost got away with it. And Twanzo, he tried to do the same thing. So whether that's a tactic or not, I don't know. But they, they both worked well um, in all stages of the game. Mings up front in the box. In midfield, down the wing, down the flank, at the back, heading away. He did a lot. Main thing for me, he blocked the ball off the line and he's always looked so solid for Villa. He won't be bullied. He loves being here. He's a lovely person when he's not stepping on people's heads. Yeah, he <laughs> saved us there. He? he saved us there. And he's, you know, I'd love to call him a villain. I really want him. You know, I, I think we'll be all upset if Jack Grealish goes, regardless of whether we get promoted or not. I'd be really upset if we don't get Tyron Mings. Really upset. So he's getting my match ball. I think the third. So, yeah. I think the third one. I think we have to continue with defensive her- heroics here. Um, I think we should go for Jed Steer because yes, I knew you was gonna say. It. Yeah, I wanted you to say Jed Steer because he's a fucking boss. <laughs> you described it better Actually, than sorry, I, I should say. I should say he has blocked seventy five hundred to hold onto it, and I don't know why. So if you know Jed Steer, I've seen him on the train a few times. Actually, I've seen him on a few train. I've seen him on the train when he wasn't playing for Villa when he was injured, I and mean, you know he's not been on the bench. I've seen him on the train across City Line from Birmingham New Street to Sutton, and I thought, should I ask him to unblock him? Should I do that? But he's blocked the account from before when before I was running it. It's been a long time going. You know, he's been here for ages. It was before. It was way before. Um, I took charge of the account, so it's not my fault. Right, okay. But he has blocked the so account. So we haven't said anything. Said, and I searched, I searched what the account said for him to be for him to block us, and I can't actually find anything. Like that's really bad. I think our oh, Jed Steers let one in. What's he done? Not there. Like we would say about any keeper. But there's just been like loads of praise for him. So maybe he's been praised too much by the account. I don't know. He's blocked us, but I'll give him the match ball. Anyway. Man's just blocking everything. That's why he's so good. That's why he's in. <laughs> He's, uh, and I think like he did that on an injured leg as well for the last 10 minutes he was like he was like Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant I don't know how he managed uh, to, to to stop the ball from Leeds United right fair play to them they, they, they will stop at nothing to score and even though we were down to 10 men they were absolutely hammering us <laughs> They were absolutely having this. They should have. They should have scored. But I don't know. I don't know how we escaped that. And I think, yeah, it's just Jed Steer. Jed Steer just walking about, hopping about on that leg. At the last last three minutes almost gave me a heart attack. Yeah, I mean, if you could tell Jed Steer to unblock us on Twitter, I think we'd, we'd appreciate that because I keep forgetting his handle and like to go, oh, well done, Jed Steer. I can't because he's, he's blocked us and I just feel completely ashamed that this situation's happened. <laughs> but no, um, I think that's enough about the that's enough about the Leeds match, mate. We do need to glance over the minor fact. We do need to talk about the minor fact that Villa actually won 10 games in a row. We haven't talked about the Millwall match. We're not going to speak about the Millwall match. I need to get your man of the match from that one. But mate, 10, we won 10 games in a row. We're, we're 12 games and beaten we didn't lose to Leeds we didn't lose to Stoke then we smashed every team in between 
incredible. Yeah, no, it's 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 been it's been an incredible run. I don't know, I don't know how we've managed it, but like we we also have looked pretty dominant in every game that we've been in. Uh, we 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 genuinely have walked into all of these games look like looking like we were going to win. And funnily enough, right, the team that gave us the biggest scare was Rotherham United. That was that was <laughs> apart from Leeds uh, at the, at the end there. Rotherham were the one team which 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 which, which worried me. And that's because we were down to ten men, uh, and we were one nil down at halftime. Um, but but other than that, yeah, we've been comfortable. Villa have done really well to win ten games in a row, and they were all you know there was a few easy ones. A derby, we smashed derby to pieces. I don't know how we managed that. We got away with yeah, one there. Then we um we smashed smashed Bristol. Can't believe we did that. You know we just walked off. There was a lot going in. We didn't have Grealish, and we we walked over them. And the scoreline. Um, doesn't really reflect how much we battered them. We battered Blackburn and Mill, and they they come away with a really low score score on as well. So ten games in a winning in a row is a massive achievement, regardless of the league. So don't take that away from Villa, please. If you listen, do not take away the fact that you have seen your team win ten games in a row. WWW, you know, all of them, ten Ws, easy peasy. You look, they didn't even make it look hard. No, they didn't. They didn't. I think, and I think, um, Championship fans, I think, just teams. Fans from other teams have been saying every single week, every single week that they expect Villa to win, um, and 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 it's been like that. I think even Leeds, I think even in Le- even Leeds United, I mean they walked into that game, basically acting. I mean, no know, knowing how hard we were going to be, and I think, I, I think, I think I like feeling like that team that everybody wants to beat again, because now we're at a point where like we can back it up. Uh, and I, and I think you, you, I think yeah. you're right. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a championship or not. This is this is a team which has been, you know, it's been through the wars for the last couple of years. You know, it's been it's been it's taken us ages to get a team that that works together like this. You know, this isn't a team of expensive players, like you know, like like everybody likes to likes to make out. Uh, and I think for them it is a massive achievement to keep that going because I don't care who you are, I don't care what league you are you're in. Um, the the mental strength that you need to to constantly put teams away like that, especially when they when they want to when yeah. they want to try extra hard to beat you, yeah, it's something it's something special. So without any further ado, mate, Villa played Millwall on Easter Monday. We're not going to talk about the match, but I do need for end of season awards purposes, future mm-hmm. award a match ball for Mill- the Millwall game. See, Millwall was a bit of a was a bit of a rough match, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Villa had loads of chances, and Millwall had some good, you know, some good opportunities, but they weren't getting past Mings and Steer. But it was, you know, I thought Villa would have a bit more of a commanding scoreline. They did play exceptionally well. I think there was a lot of defensive um, authority displayed there, and uh, I don't know what more you can say. They played really well. Villa weren't. Van I'm trying my hardest to remember what actually happened during this whole game. I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm going to give Jonathan Codger the first match ball because he because he, he scored a really weird finish. Uh, where he just he basically just just managed to tap it and it. I don't know how that went in, but he, he managed to direct it. In. And I think any any time Jonathan Codger scores nowadays, I just think fair play to him because he's he. he I think with him, it's uh, he doesn't manage to get a lot of game time. Um, you can't for him to find consistency for he to, for him to be scoring the goals that he is right now. Um, I think it's uh, impressive purely because uh, 
you know, he's, he's, he's not getting the 90 minutes that, that Tammy Abraham does these days. So I'm going to give my first one to, to Jonathan Codger. I was thinking about this when I was walking to record. I was thinking, um, who am I going to give the match ball to? I thought instantly, for some reason, I thought Tammy Abraham. And then I was like, he didn't play. What would I even think that? And I've just been having this nightmare of saying, Tammy Abrams, get to my match ball for doing this and that. I was thinking, James, please don't say, please don't say Tammy Abrams gets the match ball. Please don't say that. But I'm going to give mine to Mila Yedanak. Oh, good shout. Good shout. Because, my God, that bloke come in. He's been off all season. That man is a centre back. A lot of people are saying he can't adapt to it. I, mean, I think we said it earlier in the season. I said that it, yeah. Man, that man is a centre-back, a hell of a centre-back as well. It's a shame that they've kind of just, well, Steve Bruce went, yeah, you're a centre-back now. That guy should have been, he should have been developed there for time. He should have been the centre-back from seven years ago. He was. He's a centre-back. He's, he's class, he's come in for Villa and he's performed well. Why do you think he's performing so much better as a centre-back under Smith than he was under Steve Bruce? Because there was times when he was getting absolutely skinned there. Because he wants to play the ball. He wants to play the ball with his head and with his feet. And he wants to play on the floor as well. And he wants to make killer passes from the back. He does this. Tyron Mings does it. They both look to make the killer pass right down the flank to the to a onrushing wing. And you say that might be long ball. I'm saying good pass. It's a good pass. Good pass. It's a good pass. And I think under Bruce, they were expected not to look for the pass, just to belt it. And that is just dangerous. You know, when you're when you're not looking, when you're off balance and you're kicking it out, all sorts of things can happen. Villa's defence under Dean Smith are really they're calm. They're they're happy to concede shots. They're happy to just manage a situation and not force anything. If a goal's going in, you know, it's almost like, oh, we deserved it. It's not like they won't try. But you know what I mean? It's not it's not like there's Yeah, they're not under constant pressure either. They're not losing their heads. If a goal goes in, they know we can help make it back. It's not like they sit around going, oh my God, we've just lost the lead. A, a, a defence under Dean Smith is part of the attack rather than the last gasp defence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not, um, it's not, not unheard of that the centre-backs will be, you know, very uh, close up to the halfway line when Villa are on the attack. I mean, it, it applies more pressure to to the opposition. Um, just the quality of the press is so much better. They're not under constant pressure. Um, I think that's that's what I, I think a lot of the time uh, earlier on in the season, we found that our centre-backs were just being rushed by forwards and they were constantly yeah. jockeying, constantly backing up. Um, I don't feel like they have to do that anymore. And I think I think fair play to Tyrone Minks for being such a great leader. Uh, I feel bad for James Chester at the moment. Um, but... Look, every single centre-back which has been paired up alongside Mings for the last few weeks has been something else. That includes um, Courtney Howes. Final match ball for Millwall. I'd like to make a suggestion. And it's really hard for me to pick it between these players. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking either Glenn Whelan or Amar Algarzi. I'd go Algarzi. He's been classmate for the last few months. I think... You look at him and you just think a player that's grown in confidence, that loves taking on players, that loves just messing around, experimenting and trying to find what works for him. And when it comes off, sometimes it doesn't, and sometimes he's lacking. But when it comes off, he just looks like a genius. He's, he's got his positioning on point. Yeah, he's, He always knows where to be uh, to make that perfect pass. I say to make that perfect pass rather than, you know, the positioning of a forward where, you know, they've got to know where to tap it in. El Ghazi 
he he reads John McGinn and Jack Grealish so well, doesn't he? And I think he he managed to find his way around a defender in in free space. Uh, and I think that another good thing about Ogazi, you know, that that we have lacked from wingers over the last um, over over the last season or so. Um, no offense to Albert Adoma, but is pinpoint accuracy and actually having a very good delivery. And he and he did that for the goal as well. Uh, and and I, I just think that yeah, Ogazi is quietly um, becoming a, a real danger player that, that teams forget about <laughs> when 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 they know they have to focus so hard on Jack Grealish. Of course, his red card has been rescinded as well for the playoffs. So thank God we won't be missing someone who's really become an important player for Aston Villa. But final thing I want to speak about is Norwich. We're not going to preview this match because it's a, it's dead for Villa. Villa, Villa's a, you know, Villa got nothing to play for in this match. So I don't really want to speak about the opposition too much. But I did want to ask a few questions because if Villa beat Norwich in this match, Sheffield, there's a chance Sheffield United could win the title on the last day of the season. Yeah, we should spoil the Norwich party. I'm thinking, regardless of wanting to spoil a party or not, Sheffield United need to win to take the title and Norwich right. need to lose. Villa, so that means Villa need to beat Norwich, basically. Who would you rather win the title at? Norwich City and Sheffield oh. United? Oh. oh, that's biased, man. That's... <laughs> okay, I, I, will, I will say that um, I think Norwich have been at the top you know, all season and they've, they, you know, they, they've had numerous times where they've gone up to the Premier League and, and come back down again. Um, and, and I know this is a very different Norwich team. They, they play very good football. Um, and, you know, they, I think they're masters of the press, absolutely, under Daniel Farker. Um, and, and, and they have had a good season. But having said that, having said that, Norwich have taken their eye off the ball for the last few weeks or so. They've had a lot of draws, a lot of draws. And because of that, because of that, I think it might be very exciting to see Sheffield United steal it from under their noses. It would be. They have got a reputation for this, actually. Haven't they? I remember Brighton a few years ago. We stole that their title away from them and give it to Newcastle on the last day of the season. <laughs> so oh, yeah, I do remember again. that, yeah. yeah. Had the ribbons out, ready to go. Everything, uh, they had it all out. I mean, I, I also, I don't, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I just think it would be, it'd be fun to see Sheffield United back in the Premier League because they're another team who haven't been there for years. But also, they're not, a, they're not a minnow, so to speak. Who you think, yeah, they'll be straight back down. You could see Sheffield United surviving. They could punch up. They've got a great room to punch up, and if they go down, it's not like they'll be disappointed. And these are things, man. Relegation is nothing to fear. Like unless you've massively cocked up your finances, don't go down crying. Go go down ready to get to smack some teams about next season. Sheffield United come down stronger and then they'll go back up. But I think they've achieved massively and I want them to win the title. Not because I don't like Norwich. Like if Norwich win, I'm I'm happy. Like they deserve it, man. They've been playing really well all season. They took the off the ball the last few days. But forget that Sheffield United have got the best song in football. They've got the best damn song. Every time they they kick off, they play any song by John Denver which have translated into a song called Greasy Chip Butty. And it actually brings me to right, tears. Okay. Almost it. it's, it's, you've got to watch it on YouTube, mate. It's, uh, it's awe-inspiring, that song is. And I, I wish we had something like that. Is it any good or is this some, some Caucasian humour? No, it, it, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's not funny. It's like there's such pride in it. And it belts out. But, uh, man, it, it, it's brilliant. And 
I think last thing I want to speak about about Norwich, who would who do you want to see start? Who is the one person you really want to see get some game time? Ender Stevens for Villa. Oh, sorry for Villa. I thought we were talking about Sheffield United. <laughs> For Villa no, I'm, 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 I'm messing. I'm messing. Um, right. I think. I think for me, I want to see Keenan Davis play up front uh, because he has to. Uh, yeah. Because if Tanya, Tammy Abraham or Jonathan Codger aren't fit in time, I love you, Mile Jedinak. I don't want to see him starting up front for our yeah. playoff campaign. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's come on. Don't don't take away a good thing, a possible good thing. Um, but I don't want to see him start in the playoffs. I think that's the only thing. So for me, Keenan Davis is the one guy that uh, I want to see playing against Norwich City. The the one guy who I definitely don't want to be seeing playing against Norwich City is John McGinn. What about you? I think, uh, yeah, I want to see Sarkic get some game time. I really, I've really rated him in under 23 games and I just want to see him get a, a match for Villa because it's really rare. Like, like your, is it fifth, fourth short keeper even? Get some game time. Because I think he'd even be behind Mark Bunn at some points. You know, if, if Jed Steer was injured, mm. Sarkic wouldn't be starting. I'd surely put Bunn in. But um, I really think that it'd be cool to see him get some game time. Lansbury, Bjarnason can come in. Um, so, yeah, let's finish on your prediction, mate, for Aston Villa versus Norwich, last league game of the season before the playoffs. <sighs> Shall I be honest? Yep. Okay. Don't call me a negative Nancy. Right? But... <laughs> I think <laughs> I think Norwich are going to go in there knowing that they have to, you know, get some points to win the title, right? That's not the reason I think we'll lose. I think what we're going to end up doing is perhaps throwing in a lot of young players, which we should do, or throwing in a lot of backup players. And I think we're going to get battered. I don't think so. I think because Villa can't rotate that much because it will break the league rule where you have to have 10 from the game sheet. So you'd have to play your whole subspins. Oh, really? There can only be a few young players because when you think about it, you've loaned out most of them. Okay, I'm going to throw in a safety then. I'm going to throw in a safety to all. Everybody's going to go Norwich win the title. 1 1, Norwich win the title. Villa going to the playoffs with hopefully some momentum. I don't think Villa lose it. I really don't think Villa want to lose it either. And I don't think they'll sell or rotate massively. They'll still want to go out and win. And I think you might even see Jack really start, for God's sake. It's just a fair game. I think Norwich won't go out to batter players. They'll just want to win fairly, fair and square. So I think we'll see a really good footballing contest and uh, maybe not the massive rotation we've come to expect. No, true, true. I, I think the other thing about Norwich is as well that, you know, them versus Villa, it's gonna, it, w- it will just be super fun. Um, it is two teams who love to press. Uh, Neil Taylor's going to have his work cut out for him. Absolutely going to have his work cut out for him, you know, up against Buendia. Um, and let's not forget um, Onel Hernandez as well, who's been something of a revelation at, at Norwich too. They have got a very yeah. good team. Uh, and, yeah, fair uh, play, fair play, Tom. I've been doing well all season, mate. Yeah, and I think I think they'll I think they'll do well in the Premier League too, um, if they can keep it together, uh, and if they can replace um, some of their defenders. I think heading into it, but uh, against us, yeah, it should be interesting. We have to do, we have to put out a, a quick shout out, a quick mention. We don't have to analyze these guys as seasons because um, we all know how good they've been to us. Um, but Tammy Abraham and Jack Grealish made the team of the season, didn't they? Yeah, so fan, you know, massive plaudits for that. Well deserved. 
I think. Um, and there's more to come from him. We've still got a few games left with uh, Tammy Abram and Jack Grealish, at least. Um, we'll see what happens next season, but let's enjoy it. Let's get let's win these playoffs for once. Let's get up there, go to Wembley and win. And if we don't, no crying, no moaning. We'll do it next season. So, yeah, we'll see you next week. Have a good week and goodbye. <laughs>